Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, Open Floor Globe? I'm your host, Michael the Pod Pina, and I'm joined on the other line by my good friend, Sports Illustrated senior writer Chris Herring. Chris, how was your weekend, my man? It's good. Can't complain too much. It's uh, coming up for air a little bit and uh, excited to jump into this with this podcast. Yeah, we have a little, uh, normally you do later in the week and Rohan is sitting where you're sitting on Mondays, but we are going to flip it around for some schedule reasons. So Rohan will be here later on in a few days. Um to everyone in the Open Floor Globe who pre-ordered Chris's book, thank you so much. I'll just thank you on behalf of Chris. I'm sure he's very grateful. In fact, I I'll know say he's thank very you grateful. Too. Appreciate yes. you guys. <laughs> so thank you guys. Everyone so much. keep everyone keep that up. Um, also, please keep sending in the emails. Openfloormail at gmail.com openfloormail at gmail.com. We're going to have a massive mailbag episode because I know we've had a there's been a lot of news lately that's kind of prevented us from reading as many emails as I would like. So keep sending them in. We're going to have a huge episode later on in the off season where we get to a, a, probably a couple episodes, honestly, with the amount of emails we have backlogged right now. So please keep sending them in. Um, before we get into the main topic of today's show, I want to read a quick email from longtime listener Thaddeus, who sent us an essay that we unfortunately don't have enough time to read in its entirety right now. Um, so apologies, Thaddeus, but thank you so much. And Thaddeus's question basically boils down to um, who are our low-key winners from free agency and what under-the-radar signing could present a massive upgrade 
in the 2021-2022 season. Uh, so thank you, Thaddeus, and again, apologies. But your emails are just there. They're going to put me and Chris out of work, as we've said before, so I can't read them in their entirety on the show. They're too good. You need um, to put this man on the freelance budget. Exactly. So I'll just answer this real quick first, uh, Chris, and then I'll throw it to you. Um, my under-the-radar signing that I feel like didn't get a ton of attention that, I've, that, that could be impactful this season is uh, Rudy Gay going to the Utah Jazz. Dude, I am what tired you? of you. I am so tired of you. First the DeRozan thing last week that you took from me, <laughs> and now this? You, now you're taking the one that I was going to say? I hate you. Stop. You had the same thing? Yeah, yeah, right here. Rudy Gay. I thought it was a great pickup for Utah I mean, if and it's funny that the conversations that we've had about DeRozan the last week or two are the same ones you would have. You remember how we both were kind of saying, like, I'm not really sure who all watches the Spurs, but if you watch them, you, you see very clearly how good DeRozan is. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're not watching the Spurs and noticing DeRozan, you're probably not ro- noticing Rudy Gay have this like late career renaissance either. Um, yeah, he's just been fantastic. I don't know how much longer he can be fantastic. I, I think he slowed down maybe a little bit. Um, from what he was a year or two ago, but still really, really solid and a really, really nice bench piece for a team that already was a one seed, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, he's 35, but last year was the first year, as you were alluding to, Chris, that his three-point frequency was equal or greater than his mid-range frequency. So he's trending in a a direction that you want to see from um, older veterans who are trying to fit on, on as complementary pieces on championship contenders. And obviously the Utah Jazz are a championship contender. Um, he made 38% of his threes last year. And I feel like, I don't know if he can be a small ball five, but he's, I think he'll spend a little bit of time there. And along with Eric Pascal, who they traded for um, last week, uh, you, you know, they have more positional flexibility, I feel like, when Rudy Gobert is getting torched in the playoffs next year. They can they can downsize now and so um, and probably thrive offensively, maybe not defensively. But So I really like the Rudy Gay signing. So I'm glad you and I are once again on the same page, man. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it'll be interesting because I think um, I did a, a radio appearance for uh, a Utah ESPN radio station out there. And they were asking me what I thought of their free agency. I was like, well, Whiteside, I'm sure, is probably polarizing. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that do not like that pickup. I don't know that you could find two more polarizing, uh, two more like completely diametrically opposed players from like Rudy Gobert to Hassan Whiteside. But, um, mm-hmm. but I mean, look, if, if, if that's someone that hopefully you don't have to lean on too, too heavily, you would really hope that you don't have to lean on them too heavily. The wing pickups they had, you just mentioned Pascal, and I think mm-hmm. that Rudy Gay is is great for them, and I think very quietly tries to address some of what really torched them against the Clippers just a few months ago. Yeah, so uh, go Jazz. That should be a very it should be a very fun season for them. Um, okay, so let's pivot to our main topic. Um, Chris, free agency is basically over. Summer League has just started. We're finally dipping into a section of the offseason where we can just now start to look ahead to the 2021-2022 season with partial clarity as to what each team will look like. And, you know, this upcoming NBA year may be one of the hardest to predict or even just read in recent memory, given that the last two seasons were filled with such disruption 
and were played under singularly harsh conditions that make it hard to know what matters and what doesn't as we look ahead. So even though there are still a few huge shoes that may drop between now and opening night, I kind of wanted to see where we are and what we think about the league at this exact point in time by having you and I predict the final standings in the Eastern Conference, 15 down to 1. Um, you know, we'll probably revisit this exercise later on in the offseason, but I thought this would be fun right now just to see how wrong and foolish you and I will be when we look back on it in a few months or a year or whatever. Um, so like I said, we're doing the Eastern Conference today. Uh, Rohan and I will be doing the Western Conference later this week. Um, so let's just get into it. Do you want to give your 15, um, the, I guess, like the worst team that you think that the team you think will be worst? Yeah. Finish last of the Eastern Conference? Yeah. I mean, and I, I'm not sure if this will be your number 15, but, you know, I have the magic there at their kind of tearing down completely uh obviously they they kind of had a fire sale um mm-hmm. last season letting go of some guys uh at the trade deadline they drafted two top 10 guys who i really like by the way i i did not watch much college basketball I, i'm pretty open about that that i think it's already a full-time job and a half to for mm-hmm. you and me to be able to sit here and bemoan how few people watch the spurs that's because we're doing that and we're watching all these teams. I feel like we're kind of like the vacuum cleaner for everybody else that doesn't watch these teams in the middle of the country that aren't big markets. Um, so while we watch the Magic and the Spurs, um, you know, the, the Magic are going to hurt a little bit, but they're doing it to try to be better for the future. Um, I'm hoping that they'll get Jonathan Isaac back. I think that would be a really, really good step for them. Uh, but Really, when you look at their roster, you've only got a couple guys that are in their 30s. You've got Robin Lopez and a bunch of young dudes basically on this team. So none of that really spells playoff contention to me. I think it would be really surprising if they do that. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm really looking forward to seeing Suggs and, and Wagner. Wagner was a complete joy to watch at Michigan. He's such a good defender and just kind of a smart player. Uh, but I don't expect much of them, much from them in the way of wins next year. And so I'm, I wouldn't be shocked if that's your number 15 team as well. That was my number 15 team. And I mean, I, I second every single thing that you just said. Um, I'm glad you mentioned Robin Lopez. It gives me an opportunity to plug an interview that I just did with Brooke Lopez and Robin Lopez, which oh, was yeah? honestly, it, it went up on the site right before we started recording. Um, honestly, the funniest Zoom call interview of my life, I think. Definitely, actually. Uh, It was the three of us. uh, We sat down and talked about they have a comic book, a manga, which is a Japanese comic book that they just created. So they were kind of plugging that. And then I asked them a bunch of questions about other stuff, and including Robin's relationship slash rivalry with Stuff, the Magic Dragon, Orlando's uh, mascot. So go check that out. It's very hilarious. And those guys are just, I mean, they are... Very unique. So fun. Obvious so reasons. fun. Um, so, yeah, I had the Magic 15th. We don't really, really need to spend too much time on them. I do like Isaac. I want to add something wanna... about that. Okay. What you okay. said about okay. Robin. Uh, so much fun. I, I covered him for one season, maybe two. I think it was one in New York uh, mm-hmm. when the Knicks actually first started to look like they knew what they were doing and not just go after the big names and, and ignore everything else. It was during the Phil Jackson tenure, they went and signed Robin. He was a big signing for them. Um, and I remember 
wanting, I was still relatively new to the beat, I think, maybe a year or two in. And the journal told me uh, when I was working for the Wall Street Journal, they were like, Chris, uh, would it help you? Would it be helpful to you as a beat writer if you could potentially, um, and would you be interested in a story if we could do it this way? Obviously, Brooke and Robin are like massive Star Wars fans and like all things fantasy. Um, we may be able to get them into like an early screening for the film and we could send you along to kind of write a story on like their reaction in real time to watching it. And I was like, holy shit, this is incredible. And so I think two or three days later, I went in the locker room and like floated it. He was like, dude, I'm so on that. Like, just let me know time and place. Me and my brother, we'll take a night off from the season if we have to. If it means we're missing a game, we'll do it. And then something fell through and I felt so bad. I like it would be like teasing a dog with food or like a treat or something. Oh no. And then just like putting it behind your back and the dog getting confused. I felt so bad. So hopefully he doesn't hate me for that. I was super angry with my boss at the time for floating that and then saying we couldn't make it happen. But just such yeah. an enjoyable dude. Those guys are just so much fun to cover and write about and talk about. They were, they were so funny. And when they make fun of each other, like it's just me laughing, cackling in the background as so epic, they talk to one another. Yeah. Um, awesome. So I'll give you my 14. And I we might still be on the okay. same page. Maybe we diverge a little bit. But I'm I curious have, to see if, where you go here. Okay, yeah. I have the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, okay. You know... I think Ricky Rubio is a floor raiser, and they just traded for him. I think that was a big step in the right direction for a team that wants to win right now. Um, you know, Evan Mobley is exciting. I'm really high on Darius Garland. I think he can make a leap this season. Larry Nance Jr. makes sense on every single team in the league and might have the best non-max, non-rookie scale contract in basketball. Uh, you know, Jared Allen, they just signed to a huge contract and it was maligned in some corners. I think it's okay enough right now. Uh, and they have some other young pieces. We, we don't really know if Colin Sexton will be on the floor for the next year. That's one of the shoes that may drop. They may look to move him. We'll see. But, you know, it's still, it still feels like there's several moves away from actually being good. And a lot of this speaks to the upgrades that other teams made in the Eastern Conference than it is that I just, than it is me, you know, crapping on Cleveland. I just think a lot of the other teams got better. Yeah. Um, they're, they've got some guys kind of in the middle of their rotation where it's kind of like, what, where do we go from here? Like, what are they doing? I think Osmond's a, a really good example of that where, mm-hmm. You were really excited about him at first. I'll be honest that um, I love Jared Allen. You're not going to find too many people that like him more than I do. And still, you know, maybe they signed him with the idea that, well, as long as we get him on a reasonable enough deal, um, even if we kind of run into a logjam here where we have him and we've got Mobley, it's okay because we can move Allen if we need to. Um, I don't know if that's the thinking, but this is a team that has not been shy about going out and signing centers trading for centers, whether it's Drummond, um, guys that can play center, you know, when you look at somebody like Nance and his skill set. Um, so I, I just kind of am not sure what they're doing, you know, and even with the Sexton thing, a guy that has really blossomed nicely on offense since a really horrendous start to his rookie year, a historically bad start to his rookie year where guys in the locker room were kind of talking anonymously in the media about how mm-hmm. – guys weren't really a fan of his game and that he wasn't looking to pass um i remember at one point 
at 538, I was like looking into the story about how it was literally the worst start in NBA history, really, for someone that had been drafted as high as he had been. Um, and then he started to turn it around. And so it basically went into a, you know, I, I think the headline we used was like, uh, Colin Sexton's not historically bad anymore. He actually might be good. And I think that's kind of what we're looking at a little bit. I mean, yeah. still not much defensively, but he works hard. He can really shoot. He's become a little bit better of a passer. But they've got a team that essentially has two point guards, so to speak. Um, they have like two of everything, but like not one of anything that is so good that you wouldn't move on from it if the right opportunity came up. So they're a weird team in that sense. I had them at 13 on my list, okay. not not 14. But pretty close, and in that range, Rubio adds a, a slightly interesting wrinkle to them. I kind of wonder to some extent how he feels about that, but he's also leaving a team that was young, that had some pieces where you weren't quite sure with what's happening. So he's kind of been on a couple teams like that now, and I feel bad for him that like Phoenix went to the finals right after. Who knows? Maybe if the Timberwolves are fortunate, they get better this year, and they take a step. And it's like, why do teams keep getting better right after you lose Rubio when you know Rubio helps these teams too? Um, I want Rubio to experience some joy, too. I guess he was with Utah, so maybe. But who knows? I, I want him to have his moment in the sun as well. Yeah. Um, so I think that we probably flip-flop our 14 and our 13 then. So my 13 is the Detroit Pistons. I assume that you're... Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the only reason... And this was like a coin flip, honestly. But I was just... I've been suckered into Cade Cunningham. I've been suckered into Sadiq Bay. I think that just they have a lot of young talent that can impact the game right away and jeremy grant gold medal winner uh so killian hayes comes back he basically missed all of his rookie year um and they don't have like i feel like when people still think about the detroit pistons they think about last year's offseason where they just signed all these centers and then you look at the roster now and it's really not that crowded in the front court you still have beef stew um jaleel okafor uh, they brought in Kelly Olynyk, but I, he's not really a five, and he can, I think, subtly make life easier for everybody else when he's on the floor just because of his gravity. So I like yep. that signing. Yep. Um, defense is probably going to be a problem, but Dwayne Casey—that's that's the side of the floor that you know he is really in tuned with. So you know, I'm not saying that they'll go to the playoffs or anything like that, but 13th—that's that's me and the Detroit Pistons. I like them. I mean, I. First of all, they'll probably be top two or three in my league pass list. Um, mm. I really liked watching them last year. Um, I want to say they were like the first team I wrote about last year, you know, just because I was so interested and intrigued. Everybody kind of went in, went in on them with regards to their, you know, their rotation and how many bigs they signed. Uh, but they were really fun to watch. Their guys play really hard. Um, Isaiah Stewart is so much fun for a big man. Uh you know, that was without even getting to really see Killian Hayes a whole lot. It'll be interesting to see kind of what happens with his development since you've got another point guard now, obviously, who is going to come with a lot of expectations. And so kind of the the what's the breakdown of the ball handling and, you know, who gets what moments and stuff like that. But again, I don't expect much from them, but they're young guys. Most of their young guys played a whole lot last year. And so, you know, mm -hmm. maybe that spurs their development a little bit quicker. Um Sadiq Bey was really, really nice for them last year. Stewart was really nice for them last year. And quite frankly, to be there and have like a point guard who, um, you know, obviously is inexperienced from an NBA standpoint, but is going to come in knowing what he's doing will be really interesting to see how the guys around him play off that. 
Um, and like you said, Olenek, I think will make life easy for them, even though, easier for them, even though I think a lot of people were kind of scared off by the money. It wasn't really that bad of a, you no. know, of a signing as far as the money, um, to have a floor spacing big there instead of Okafor, instead of Stewart in particular, I think will be really helpful for someone that is trying to get into the paint like uh, Cunningham is. So we, before we started to record, you and I were talking about how difficult this exercise is. <laughs> and oh, here is where it gets, uh, here's where like feelings are going to get hurt, I feel like. Um, just because there's such a logjam in the East this season and so many teams that are flawed but also intriguing in positive ways and so i'm gonna i'm gonna let you uh give us your number 12 instead of me because i feel like oh. the pitchforks are going to be coming out from this point I forward I really <laughs> a lot you. of fan bases. all right so here we go um i'm gonna plug the raptors in at 12 and i also have a big asterisk here saying this is the team that could still make me look really stupid with this decision uh-huh um, because they've got, look, they're going to be younger. Um, you know, they, they elected to take Scotty Barnes, who that was one of the couple games that I watched yesterday in summer league. He, he looks really talented. Um, they've got a lot of veterans on this roster still. I mean, guys that maybe not late career veterans, but I think last week they said that they're not necessarily looking to dump Goran Dragic, which I think he's going to score a lot for you. He's going to be decent if he stays healthy. Um, you already have Van Vliet, who again is not like a late career veteran, but a you know a guy that is a very good point guard. Um, I think what it comes down to is that you lost Lowry, who wins a lot of games for you regardless of whether he does much in the box score. Um, just a really really hard nosed defender, a guy that's going to take a lot of charges and play really solid defense for you. Um, but you've also got guys that every time someone's been taken out of the rotation for them. You get Ananobi to step up, or you get Boucher to step up. Uh, someone always steps up for this team. I've always kind of referred to them as like shark's teeth, that something else kind of comes up and, mm. and establishes itself. I like that. Yeah, shark's teeth. We're going to change the name from Raptors to shark's teeth. So um, I think the big question with them, too, that you know can't be lost is like how, how ready is Siakam going to be to play after his physical stuff and the stuff he's been dealing with? Um, I don't know yet if there's like a clear answer to that, but I think that's where it starts to get dicey in terms of saying that they're absolutely in the playoff race easily is whether or not they're healthy. I think not having Lowry and kind of going a little bit younger and kind of handing the keys over a little bit more to Scotty Barnes, among other people, um, it'll put more pressure on them. But that said, I think they'll also be a lot better playing at home as opposed to having to play in Tampa the whole year and hopefully, hopefully. not having a massive COVID outbreak, you, you know, so um, I'm hopeful for them, but I, in my heart of hearts, can't really put them any higher than 12 right now, but also can say that they could make me look, they have the most potential to make me look stupid here, I think. So I have Toronto at seven. Damn. Um, and it is because I do not want to look foolish that I have them at seven <laughs> because I agree with you, man. They, like, they have a pedigree to them. Obviously, they're, like, two years removed from winning the title. Kawhi's not there. Yeah. Kyle Lowry's not there. We all know that. But they still have integral pieces that were a part of that team and a part of that culture. They bring in Scotty Barnes. And, you know, I think this is poten- – like, even if the roster sticks with what it is, I think that they have enough talent to get the seven seed. 
I also, and I don't want to get, you know, I don't want to go down a path here. I think they're a very intriguing Damian Lillard trade partner where mm. you can throw a package together of Fred Van Fleet, Scotty Barnes, um, Goran Dragic having his contract, I think, is really valuable for trades like that. And mm. two two firsts. And all of a sudden, that's like a that's a really good package if you're Portland and you you have to move off. And, you know, maybe Dame doesn't want to play in Toronto, et cetera. But you put him with Siakam, you put him with OG, you put him with that developmental system. You know, they have Ken Birch, they have Precious Achua, they have Gary Trent Jr. I feel like that would be the best defense, like a cocoon for him for Dame that he's never really had before. So I don't know. I just think that that would be a really interesting situation. And Dame is a, is a, is a player who may be on the move this season. And so I'm trying to factor him in, but not, not too much, but I do like Toronto a lot regardless. I, I, I don't like to play the whole fantasy sports thing too much. You know, I know we talk hypothetically about trades, Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why any and I went to high school with someone that was a lottery pick who ended up playing in Toronto uh, and I for the life of me don't understand people that would be completely closed off to playing there um, I don't know if maybe taxes NBA guys <laughs> taxes that's really it well and again so I like I said I, I gotta I, I have to be transparent fully with it when I say I don't like to play fantasy so I certainly don't want to pocket watch for anybody if you're at the level that Dame is at, if you're at a superstar level where money is probably not the biggest issue for you anymore, um, Toronto would be a great place to play. I mean, people mm-hmm. have long talked about the the limited scrutiny you go to relative to being, you know, in a big American market. Um, I mean, I've heard of anonymity before as far as if you like to go out and enjoy yourself, that there's more of that there. I could probably more imagine that somewhere more like Vancouver than Toronto these days, but uh, I don't know. I Toronto would be a nice place. It's cold. Obviously, it gets cold. I say that as someone that lives in Chicago. Um, mm-hmm. It gets cold, but what, what a great city, just generally speaking. I, you know, I, I think people are kind of in the dark a little bit. T- Toronto is San Antonio to a lot of people just in their mind because it's not an American market. So I think people think of it as being a small market and it is not a small market. It's not, it's beautiful. It's essentially, it, it, it's one of the cities that reminds me most of Chicago, quite frankly. Um, you know, just in terms of the way it looks, how clean it is. Um, anyway, not, that doesn't have anything to do with our power <laughs> ranking. So let's get back to those. This is it. We've got an Amex platinum pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. You want me to go with my 11? Because well, like you said, let, we had the... So let, let me get my 12. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that... I, I Actually, I have no idea where you have this team. I'm not even going to try to to guess. But I have no feel for them whatsoever. And that is the Indiana Pacers. Um, mm. Like, you know, Rick Carlisle's their head coach. I think that is definitely a positive. We know mm-hmm. they're going to play slow. We know they're going to be a little bit better on offense. We know that, especially in the half court, they're going to be able to execute whatever, you know, they're going to call a time, but the ton of timeouts. That's just the Rick Carlisle stamp right there. Um, maybe they trade Miles Turner this season. That's a little bit of a, a variable to account for. TJ Warren will be back. Um, he would miss basically all of last season with an injury. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know if like continuity is their friend. I don't know if everybody's sick of each other. I don't know how Rick Carlisle will mesh. I just, I can't, I have, I have no feel for this team. So I just, I had to just kind of stick them at the bottom of the, the acceptable organizations, if that makes any sense. So I didn't do that, but I did have my teams 9 through 11. So this was your 12. My, my 9 through 11, I bracketed off and put in big, bold letters, <laughs> no idea. And um, I put the Pacers in that 9 spot while also acknowledging I have no idea where they'll finish. They could finish higher. They could obviously finish lower. Um, but what I thought about them was a lot of what you just said. Um, they had really as many injuries as anybody last year. I think they were kind of strange injuries, so I think they were the type that people didn't notice. Karis LeVert after the trade, needing mm-hmm. surgery, and you know, basically learning that the guy you know had something that would have been cancer since by that had essentially had cancer. So there was that. T.J. Warren missed essentially the whole year was it the whole year i can't even remember at this point but tj warren missed that whole stretch jeremy lamb missed half the season um miles turner missed a big chunk of the season they discovered o'shea Brissett toward the end of the season who was a really nice piece for them and it sounded like they were dealing with quite a bit of turmoil within their locker room just as far as whether or not these guys actually wanted to play for this first year coach they had and yep. now you bring in rick carlisle who is not <laughs> Necessarily the easiest personality to get along with, but also has a championship pedigree to him, knows what he's doing. And, um, you know, for the most part, the guys on that roster, you know, from what I've seen at least, are not 
guys that are seemingly that difficult to kind of get along with, you know, and guys that put up much of a stink with Miles Turner and Sabonis and Malcolm Brogdon is certainly kind of one of the more, um, you know, guy in the league that just kind of seems like he has a great head on his shoulders. Like, I don't think that Rick is going to find much trouble with them as, as currently constructed. So I, I tend to be more glass half full with the Pacers, with Rick Carlisle running it, and with all those guys coming back, presumably. Maybe not. You know, if they're guys that are dealing with more chronic stuff or if they develop more injuries, then so be it. But, you know, I, I would put them ahead of the other teams that I've got in that I'm not sure list, which, like I said, I've got three of them. But I put them at number nine for me um, and had a couple teams underneath that that I was also kind of unsure about. Okay, so give us your 11. Okay, so my 11 was Charlotte. Uh, I've got the Hornets right there. Um, I actually kind of liked their offseason. I didn't think they needed a whole, whole lot. I think really if you're Charlotte, what you need to be focused on is just having LaMelo healthy and getting Gordon Hayward back, which I think – that really took a massive wind out of their sails when he got hurt. I don't know that anyone realized how much it would hurt them. Actually, maybe we did because I'm trying to remember the chronology of when LaMelo got hurt and then I think Hayward got hurt after that. So they were without both of those guys for a stretch, if I remember correctly. Um, But, no, I mean, it's a really – you look up and down their roster, they're easily one of the most athletic teams in the league right now. Um I can't even remember the dude's name. Whoever they drafted, though, uh, that crazy-ass dunk that he had in the Summer League game yesterday, um, they're just a team that has a lot of scary athleticism. Uh, They got Oubre. Ishmith is one of my favorite players in the league to watch. And they just got Mason Plumlee for not very much, too, who I think actually had a really nice season with Detroit. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, I think people kind of write folks off when they get signed to a contract that looks like it's too big for what they what people perceive perceive their them to be deserving of but had a really nice season for them i think he had a triple double one game but is a perfectly fine big backup big sort of player for them so i i kind of like what they've done um i don't expect that much of them but they could also overachieve just given that again they'll have hayward back and i think lamello will probably take a little bit more of a step than he did because he'll be um back in the in the mix and able to play so i like charlotte i don't know if i like them enough to say that i think that they'll make the playoffs but they were pretty close to that conversation this year and again not fully healthy when they did that so i I like them so yeah i have i have charlotte at nine and right around in that same that same tier um i think one of the reasons why I'm a little down on Charlotte and I didn't have them even higher because I loved watching them last year. They were one of my favorite teams. Super fun. Um, yeah. They were so good in crunch time, like abnormally so, that I feel like we're going to get some regression there. Um, but again, I don't know what matters from last season going forward. So it's just really hard to factor any of that in. Um, the reason why I have them at nine is I think Lamelo is just I mean he's a star and I would not be shocked if he made some kind of leap this season and just he's one of those players who is not only going to get his own numbers but he makes everybody around him better so if they have health Lamelo makes a leap they're going to be really good so that's my that's my Charlotte Hornet spiel um do you want okay so I'll give my 11 now um to catch up to you okay 
It is the uh, Washington Wizards, and I list them here. I list them here. Um, you know, I I really love their offseason. I love the Russell Westbrook trade for them, which we've talked about. I love the pieces that they got back for Westbrook. I love Kuzma and Montrezl Harrell and um, and Kentavious Caldwell Pope. I just think that those are really nice role players with championship Esper who are familiar competing for championships around Brad Beal. And I like Spencer Dinwiddie. I think if Spencer Dinwiddie's healthy, that is a upgrade over Russell Westbrook, which is something I said in uh, uh, last week a couple times and got a little bit of trouble for. Chris, you 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 warned me. You were right. Um, <laughs> so so I like the Wizards, but it's just the the East is is really good, man. It's really tough to to just say that this team is in the playoffs, even though in any other year I'd be like, yeah, the Wizards are good enough now to make the playoffs, but I just I can't I can't get there with them. So what I realized when I was ranking these teams, first of all, I had the Wizards at 10. So okay. essentially same spot you did, just one off. Um, but what I realized, because I thought it was going to be really easy to rank order these teams, and what I realized really quickly is that, damn, man, I liked a lot of these teams off-seasons, but really liking a team's off-season, even loving a team's off-season, which I think we both really loved Washington's, while that probably used to guarantee you a pretty clear spot in the playoff totem pole in the east i don't think it does that anymore no. i don't even think it you know and, and even with the teams that i think were more talented or kind of you know closer to the conversation in some cases even when they had nice off seasons it didn't clearly catapult them into like the top half of the east playoff race or like home court advantage area at all like um i guess we'll get to that but yeah i'm, I'm kind of with you we talked about them a little bit last week uh it's really hard not to like some of what they had. I think if you were going to critique anything about them last year, it was that they were really, really top-heavy with Beal and Westbrook, and they could have used a few more role guys. Now they've got a bunch of role guys that they got back for Westbrook. Um, you'll probably hope that Dinwiddie can do enough of the scoring. It doesn't have to be Russ necessarily, but maybe do enough other things. Um, but I think I think Caldwell Pope is going to be great for them. You know, I think Kuzma... Quite frankly, I think he kind of needed a new start anyway somewhere else. Um, mm-hmm. So that could be good for him. I, I mentioned last week, and I'll mention again, Thomas Bryant. Hopefully comes back and is healthy and I think gives you something. Um, you know, if they can make a stop every few months, that would be good. Um, yeah. You know, that, <laughs> that's, that's always going to be my concern with this team. But, you know, if they can or yeah, every once in a while, like there was, I think it was Portland maybe two or three years ago. I thought their defense was going to be trash, and then they ended up being basically like a top 10 unit on defense. I think every now and then you get a team that you know, kind of turns out to be more than the sum of its parts and maybe gets fortunate or lucky in terms of defending the three. You know, mm-hmm. if, if the Wizards have a year like that and they're as good on offense as they can be and as they have been the last couple of years, you, know, you, you might look up and all of a sudden you see them, and if the Wizards were a seven or an eight seed and you know, um, almost to the point where they're – staying clear of the plan wouldn't stun me. I've seen crazier things happen before, but they've got an offense that should be able to score with anybody for the most part. 
Yeah, and I mean Brad Beal. We didn't even we haven't even really mentioned Brad Beal. He's one of the best players in the entire NBA, and obviously, what hangs over the entire organization is whether or not he's going to resign. You know, if they jump out to a terrible start. Are there going to be murmurings for a trade before the deadline? Yes, of course there will be. Is he going to be at the forefront of those? If he's, Is he going to ask out? We don't know. So that's another thing just lingering in the back of my head when I'm trying to assess and predict where this team is going to be at the end of the season. Beal's great, though. And again, I really love their offseason. Um, so shout out to the Wizards. Uh, you already gave your 10, I believe. So I'll just throw mine out there. It is the New York Knicks. Uh, I hmm. am well documented in saying that I am not the biggest believer in the Knicks and wasn't the biggest believer last season in the regular season that they had. I think there's a lot of reg- regression that's going to happen here from opposing three-point percentages to Julius Randle's three-point percentage where – You know, he entered last season as a career 29.5% shooter from deep. Last year, he shot 41% from deep and 40% on pull-ups from deep. Uh, I just, I don't think that those are real numbers. Um, So we get fans back in the stands. There's a little bit more of a normalcy to the season. I I think he's going to come back to earth a little bit. And, you know, they get Kemba, they get Evan Fournier. Those are pretty nice pieces for sure. And we like the value of, of those signings. But, you know, in the actual game of um, impacting winning, both are minus defenders and defense is this team's identity. So how is that going to play out? I don't know. So I'm, I'm still skeptical about the Knicks. I'm sorry, Knicks fans. Yeah. So that was your 10, you said? Yes. Okay. Um, so I had already given my nine... Uh, I told you that the Pacers were the team I had in ninth. I think you said you had them 12, if I remember. So I'll I'll go with my eight then because I I had Pacers nine, Wizards well, where'd you 10, have the Knicks? Hornets 11. So I had the Knicks. I actually had them at number six. Uh, oh, okay. I, I mean, well, it's kind of crazy, you know, because think about it. They were technically four, which I kind of feel like it's it's almost disingenuous to say that they were fourth. They were fourth you know, legitimately fourth and their tiebreaker last year. So pulling them down to 10, I mean, I I think it's within the realm of possibility, but I'm not, I'm already bringing them down to six from technically four, which, you know, and we all, we all said this before. I wouldn't say that the top three are that difficult. Maybe the top four, maybe, but I think that the teams anywhere from like five to eight, you could you could pull them out of a hat as far as I'm concerned. Um, now, you don't even have the Knicks in your top eight. You have them 10. I, I think they'll make the playoffs. I'd be a little bit surprised if they don't even make the playoffs. I, I had a mailbag a couple of weeks ago. It was actually the kid Merrill from Jesus and Merrill asked me. Uh, it was the first question I let off with. Did you think this Knicks season was a fluke? And like you said, there's some things to point to. I think you can certainly look at opposing three-point percentage. Um, I mean, you watch the way that team plays defense. I don't think it's that fluky that, you know, that teams feel, feel sped up playing against a team that rotates as hard as they do, that switches as hard as they do, that plays as hard as they do. Um, if anything, I said I didn't think they were a fluke because they play such hard defense. 
I think that wins you a lot of games. I mean, I, I watch the Pacers more closely than I think a lot of national writers for the last few years sometimes made my eyes bleed because of the way they played offense. But they play really, really hard on defense, and I feel like you can win more games. I felt like, especially during the Frank Vogel era, you can win a lot of games playing defense as hard as a team like those Pacers played or the Knicks played. Um, now, it might burn you out, and you know it might prompt Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett to run 40 more miles than anybody else over mm-hmm. the course of the NBA season, but you can squeeze out more wins that way. So for regular season standings, I actually don't think where the Knicks finished last year was all that fluky. You know, maybe there was, you know, fluke involved just in the sense that everybody else being banged up or, you know, the the virus just really hitting Toronto and Boston hard or what have you, uh, or Washington hard or what have you. But I, I I feel pretty confident that they'll make the playoffs still. I don't think six is a stretch um, in part because it's still lower than what they were last year. Um, And I do feel like they improved Now, long-term, you know, if they've got all these guys on the roster three years from now, I'm not sure I would feel that way. Um, You know, do I think they're going to win a championship with this roster? No. But, I, you know, I could see them being a top five or top ten defensive team again. And, um, you know, it's realistic to think that their offense would be better, not to mention that they get Mitchell Robinson back. Um, So, I, you know, it's, it's not outside the realm of possibility to me that they'll finish in the top five. Again, I don't think it'll happen, but I could, you know, if they finish six in, between six and eight, again, I have them six. It wouldn't shock me that much. That's all fair. That's all fair. I mean, I th- I guess we just flip flop the Knicks and the Raptors is what we've done so far, kind of. Because um, you had the Raptors yeah, but twelve, I, I, I had them seventh. Yeah, that's, right. That's, that's, that's yeah. a pretty big flip. <laughs> true, true. That's all we're doing, but that's some five spots in the East is a lot. <laughs> Yes, that is true. Uh, Okay, so do you want to give your eight now? Sure. So I had the Bulls at eight. And this is one that kind of surprised me when I went back and looked. Because I, you know, I might be as high on their offseason as anybody. And and they're also a team that has the potential to still kind of change a lot from what we already know they've done. Just because Markinen may not be there. Uh, And by the way... Man, that man is running out of real estate real quickly. Like, there aren't many teams that could really take him on. Um, you know, everybody was thinking that he'd maybe be a part of the DeRozan sign and trade, and then that didn't yeah. happen. And then we were thinking maybe Charlotte takes him, and then it's like Charlotte takes Ubre. Um, This is going to be a man without, you know, uh, no country for marketing men in a minute. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, so they could still – they could still get something for him potentially um, and, and move on from him. Um, but I mean, it's really hard not to like the moves they made offensively. You might have some questions about how does it look in a playoff setting? Um, does it cut down on how many shots Levine gets? Does it hurt this? Does it change that? But quite frankly, I mean, you, you got someone that can really make your offense move in Lonzo ball. You, you, I think hit a home run with getting DeRozan, who I think takes some of the pressure off Levine and you look at Levine's numbers over the last few years, he obviously has been really efficient, but he's also been uh, pretty tunnel-visioned, particularly in fourth quarters when he drives. Um, hardly ever had any assists in, in close games in fourth quarters. Mm-hmm. Um, DeRozan gives you someone else that you can play through that can actually move the ball to other guys more reliably. Um, and you're going to have some defense between uh, Lonzo Ball and, and Alex Caruso I don't think you're going to be great there. I don't think there was really anybody you could have added to this roster that would have made their defense great. Um, so if they can be a top half of the league offense, 
I'm sorry, top half of the league defense with mm-hmm. these guys that they just added to improve their offense. I think you're looking at a team that should make the playoffs. When I initially was talking about this last week without really sitting down and doing the math on it and you know where the other teams would finish, I thought, I thought you could have made the argument that the Bulls would actually be a team vying for a home court. And I just don't quite see that when I actually sit down and look at the nuts and bolts of where other teams will finish and you know how other teams should progress. You know, younger teams that have a lot of guys that should improve. I couldn't quite bring myself to say that. But again, if if the Bulls were to finish six, wouldn't stun me. If they were to finish five, it wouldn't stun me. Um, I'd be a little bit surprised if they finished in the top half of the playoff race, though, uh, just because it is a new team. Just because they shouldn't be great on defense. Maybe they're decent, and um, you know, even offensively, I don't know that they'll be great, but they should be a lot better. I had Chicago also eighth so you and i are on the exact same page there you know i'm fascinated by their offense i think it'll be really good um their defense finished 12th last year and thad young's really good i think sadaransky is really good on that end but they also played like lowry markinen um daniel tice uh nikola vucevic lineups at one point like regularly i remember that i forgot about that yeah it's just a really weird season from Chicago last year, and like Zach Levine got COVID late, and they just never bounced back after that. I think Lonzo and Crusoe will help on defense, and also opponents shot forty-seven point three percent against them in the mid-range, which was the league high mark. And I feel like that should drop a little bit in their favor. I don't know. I'm not saying that their defense is going to be incredible or anything like that, but it might not be like dead last. I think it can be you know, closer to league average than last. Um, and that Maybe should be they, enough. So I'll agree with you, but I want to look at one thing, if I could pull it up quickly enough. Where were they defensively once they made the trade for Vucevic? Because, I mean, I think he's a the kind of person that makes a difference where having him in there, you kind of are conceding that you're not going to be great. Um, so I'm trying to look it up and see if I can – was it March – what was the trade deadline this year? I can't remember. March 25th, something like Doug, that. Doug, I can't be remembering dates from the last season. It's my Neither calendar. Neither can I, is which is why I'm trying to look it up. I'm going I'm to try to look it up real quick. Um, I will say, so from, I, have it ri- I have it right here. Post-All-Star break, they were eighth. They finished eighth. I don't what? know. Yeah, on what? defense last season. So I wonder if some of that was also what you're saying about Levine being out. Okay, maybe. I don't know. If the Bulls, I'll, I'll put it this way. If the Bulls are a top 10 defense... If they finish in the top ten defensively, they're gonna be they're gonna be either a top half of the playoff team in the East, meaning like home court, mm-hmm. or they're gonna be knocking on that door. And I don't quite see that. But if they're that good defensively and they added all this offense, I think it's certainly feasible that they do that. I mean, there would their offense would have to be underwhelming for all the talent they just added for them not to be in that conversation if they're a top ten defense. So we'll yeah. see. I mean, okay. at that point, what reason would they not be? You know, in right. the top half, if you're a top ten defense and their offense has three all stars in it, at that point, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'm really intrigued by them. I want to see what happens with them. So, who is your number seven? I don't think I my seven was the Raptors. Right. So remember, I had the Knicks at six. I put the Celtics at seven. Um, and this was one that I think we, we kind of had a little bit of a fundamental disagreement on last week, too, where I said I didn't quite trust them and that I think it's a little bit weird to not have 
really a starting caliber point guard. Now, I'm not the biggest fan of Dennis Schroeder, but if they add him, which it sounds like it's one of the last realistic places he could kind of land, I might be a little bit higher on them. Like, I'm not a huge fan of his game, but I also see how adding him there when you don't have a starting point guard where that would that would help. And it you know it takes a little bit of the pressure off of someone like Tatum having to handle it all the time or, or Brown having to handle it as much as he would have to. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, I could see how that would make sense. They've got a lot more top-end talent than I think a couple of these other teams do, just having two guys that I think are potentially going to be all-stars for a long, long, long time. Um, and I still like some of your post-play. Horford's getting old, but I think having Rob Williams there, um, you know, I, it's, it's not – I don't know. I don't know how people in Boston have been talking, you know, about losing Kemba and losing Fournier, but it's not wasn't certainly an offseason where you're like, wow, the Celtics did so much. But um, you're you're only going to go as far as Tatum and Brown take you anyway, probably for now. Um, so I can I, 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 I could see them being seven. I could see them being lower. I could see them being a little bit higher. But I think somewhere in that range is kind of where I would have them. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Okay, so uh, <laughs> so the Celtics, um, I have them at five. Okay. And I think the number, there's two reasons for that. Or there's, a, there's a few reasons. Um, number one, I think their defense is just going to be really good because you have Marcus Smart, you have Jalen Brown, you have Jason Tatum, you have Josh Richardson, Chris Dunn, Robert Williams, Al Horford, Grant Williams. Even Romeo Langford and Aaron Neesmith, if you watch them when they played last year, including in the playoffs, like 
those guys I think are going to be plus defenders on the wing in terms of just their versatility, their strength, et cetera, and how hard they play. Mm-hmm. And I just think like when you have now they signed Dennis Cantor who like totally ruins everything I'm saying. <laughs> but when you have players like a whole roster, a whole rotation of guys who are not negative def- defenders, I just think that that is such a boon for the regular season when you have a floor on the defensive end every night and you know what you're getting. It just makes it so much easier to win back-to-backs and and travel and all that stuff. So I think that that is a big plus for them. I also think that the way their season ended last year, I think people have an understandable sour taste in their mouth. Jalen Brown um, was not available for the last, I don't know, it was a good chunk of the last part of the season when he injured his wrist. And Jalen was an all-star last season. I think he'll be even better this year. Tatum is someone who I could not possibly be higher on. And I think he's going to leap into the, okay, we're going to have, is Tatum an MVP conversation at some point this season? And I can see him, you know, knocking on the door of uh, winning a scoring title this season. I just think that there's going to be a massive leap from him given just how awful last season was for him and for the entire team in terms of COVID. You know, they lost more games to COVID than anybody else, et cetera. So I understand that Kemba's not there. I understand they lose Fournier. Um, they might add Schroeder, as you said. I just, I I think everything that went wrong last year did. And I think stylistically they learned from it in terms of the defense, in terms of the ball movement. And Ime Odoka has spoken um, ad nauseum about the need to move the ball and share the ball. So I just I just think that they're going to be a much more stable team than they were last year, and that's why I got them at five. I'm looking forward to seeing that man coach the team. He uh, yeah been yeah. an assistant for so long. It'll be cool, and it's 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 a team. I mean, we've talked about this, and who knows where this conversation goes now? Just because it seems like every head coach that was hired this year is black, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, after years of kind of seeing that number dwindle. Um, but he's just a guy that it, it's good to see a coach. I don't necessarily feel the need that guys need to wait their turn to this extent. But if someone waits their turn, that it's not a situation where it's Steven Silas and he gets a team that is basically gutting itself um, with a rebuild. I mean, this is a real team here. And, uh, you know, maybe add a piece to it and all of a sudden if you feel like Tatum is capable of making like an MVP level leap at this age and like you said getting Brown back healthy and you've got some other pieces that you know for now are solid you know at some point maybe you're looking to move them you you'd mentioned last week that maybe you try to move some of these guys for Beal um but it's pretty cool to see Udoka get a team that you know that who knows what they do this year but at a minimum, you expect them to be in the playoffs in that mix and maybe accomplish even more than that. So, yeah, I, I don't see it as crazy to have them at five. I mean, I'll, I'll walk you through who I had at five. You know, I said I had the Knicks at six. I had Atlanta there, and I was kind of flimsy about it because you know, I didn't even have Atlanta there last year. Then they make the Eastern Conference Finals. It's a team that, you know, theoretically I could understand if you say or if someone else says that they should regress some. Um but not really. Like, they really shouldn't, considering that they had a ton of injuries last year, a ton, um, to pretty much all of their key guys at one point or another. Trey missed time with a, with a pretty bad sprain. 
And I feel like that was like the least of what they were dealing with. I mean, that was part of the, the reason that uh, Lloyd Pierce got fired, you know, was not only that they were blowing a lot of leads in second halves, but they also were just banged up. And part of the ter- immediate turnaround once Nate McMillan took over was that they got relatively healthy again. So Bogdanovich was an example of that. DeAndre Hunter missed most of the year and missed yep. most of the playoffs. Um, you know, Gallinari was was – ice cold at the beginning of the year and then kind of picked up a little bit. Um, so their confidence for a young team like that, I mean, they should be, they should have all the swagger in the world after what they just accomplished. What I will say that I think could kind of put a little bit of a hole in their balloon. Is that an analogy or did I just kind of make that up? I don't know. The one, the one thing that could do it. Um, I mean, you're implementing these new rules. The league put out the video the other day about, uh-oh, you know, uh-oh. foul drawing, uh, I mean, that will impact certain teams more than others, and I think Atlanta's at the top of that list, obviously, with Trey Young. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see the way that plays out. Is it something that you can just take out of your game immediately and it's not a problem? Is it something where you're going to be firing up four shots a game trying to draw a foul that you don't get a call for? Um, if it is, that's something that they're going to probably lose some games because of. It sounds really small, but, I mean, it's it's not. I mean, particularly with a team that is young, that – does blow leads occasionally a team that makes 26 point comebacks in the playoffs like a point here or there actually matters quite a bit and if you let's say you cut Trey Young's free throws down by 10 or 15 percent all of a sudden that matters a whole lot around the margin so I don't know exactly what to expect you could make the argument that they're going to be better than they were last year um they brought back more guys than I thought they would this past offseason it didn't actually seem like much of an issue for them to do that, their owner talked as if they were going to let certain guys go, um, and they really didn't. So I'm curious to see what happens with them, but I'm putting them at five, mostly just because I think that they've got upside from what they did last year with all the injuries they had. So first I want to tell you where I had Atlanta, and then I'm going to tell you who I had at my six. got to bounce back one slot. Yeah, you're right. For Atlanta, hot take here, incoming. Um, they're number three for me. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And I just think that you roll the roster back and you're building on what you did last season. You get to the conference finals. You probably would have gone to the finals if Trey Young doesn't step on a referee's foot. After March 1st, when Nate McMillan took over for Lloyd Pierce, they had the second best offense and the second highest point differential in the Eastern Conference. So you have those numbers on your side. You re-sign John Collins, who has spoken publicly about how his contract situation really affected him throughout all of last season, including in an article that um, that I wrote about him in an interview. And he gets a hundred whatever million dollars, and I just feel like he could go up a level. Trey Young is probably, you know, I didn't really honestly factor in the rule change, and that's a really good call by you. And you had me sweating when you were talking about it. Um, <laughs> but I do think that Trey is young enough to improve the pull-up threes at least, hopefully oh, yeah. to mitigate some of that, uh, one would think. And then DeAndre Hunter is maybe the best two-way player on the team, and he should hopefully be healthy. Cam Reddish was not really healthy last season either. Just a dynamic talent. Um, and one, like, sp- imperceptible maybe factor but 
I don't think home games in Atlanta are going to be easy for opponents. And those have always been easy for opponents because of just like the, the fan base there has not been galvanized. I think the fan base is going to be all behind this team next season, given the success that they just had. And you wrote about that in a great piece earlier this season. And that's going to matter. I just I think that that is a factor that we can't completely overlook. So I have I have Atlanta at third and I I, I kind of like that. I kind of like that call. Huh. <laughs> now I'm 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 like on pins and needles trying to figure out who you don't have in your top 3 <laughs> because of that. Yeah. Um, now it's making me sweat to figure out what I did wrong here. So my number 4, I think well, let, me give, let me give let me give let me get my 6 first, Chris, and then we'll Go ahead, go ahead. You. Yeah. Yeah. So 6, this is like the two-part whammy of my hot take. Uh, I have the Philadelphia 76ers at 6. Okay. Wow. And wow. Uh, Six. So that's they were the one seed last year. <laughs> they were the one seed. Wow. And so this is the team where you know, this it really like the exercise that we're doing right now is is going to look silly because there's a good chance Ben Simmons, and maybe he won't get traded, but I feel like there's a good chance still he will get traded at some point before opening night. Um and even if they do not trade him, and they kind of roll everything back because they didn't lose any. I mean, they swapped Dwight for Andre Drummond, which I feel like honestly is an upgrade. I don't know. I, f- I feel like Drummond is a better player than Dwight, generally speaking, on the vet men. Um, and some of their younger players, you know, Thibel played really well in the Olympics. He should be better. Maxi should be better. All that. But I just feel like there's this noxious cloud hanging over everything from the way last season ended yep. with like everybody throwing. A, one of the franchise players under the bus so if you if you roll it back i just i think that that could get disastrous honestly and um i also think that joel Embiid played well first of all joel Embiid, his health in general is always a question mark heading into every season for me um and if the mid-range shooting is real then the mid-range shooting is real, but I kind of want to see it another season, to be honest, where he just became one of the better mid-range shooters in the entire NBA. That was, in, that was one of the under-talked-about storyline. I mean, I guess it wasn't a storyline on its own that someone was good for mid-range, but his numbers were like Chris Paul level last year right. like, for the whole damn year. That was honestly part of what I think was keeping him firmly in that MVP conversation was just that he shot like he was – jj reddick or something for half the season you know not even half the season for the whole season yeah Um, absolutely so if he makes a dip down the same way that anthony davis made a dip from the bubble to last season Mm. on the mid-range shooting like that's that's pretty significant because that dude's usage is ridiculous um so yeah i have the i have the sixers at six i feel like a lot of people are going to be really upset with that one but uh so that's that's a Sort of wild pick, but like I had them at fourth, and even with that, I was kind of like, uh, you know, like there could be at least one of these teams, whether it's the Celtics or Atlanta, to kind of hop up and and take that from them too. You know, I I had everything that you just mentioned. I had here is a question mark. Um, what happens with Simmons? I feel like is the question that hangs over all of it because yep. even if you've got the talent to be a one seed, if your guys don't like each other, or don't communicate with each other. Um, I, I don't know where that goes. Like, it's really easy to say that Embiid will be healthier than he was last year, or not miss as many games as he did last year. But like, that's just not his history, quite frankly. Um, 
you know, they're, they're super talented. Again, you could have them at one for all I care. You know, like I, I wouldn't argue with you, but I don't see them finishing at the top of the conference if Simmons is there and they don't resolve it. Like he's not going to be a fundamentally different player next year. I mean, I hope he is from just working and stuff like that. But the stuff that comes out of his camp with regards to like the work ethic and needing to work on something, it's like it just kind of feels like there's too much finger pointing at a certain mm-hmm. point. And to what you said, I, I mean, the organization has not been hesitant to point a finger back at him to say that like, you know, that they need to do something or something needs to happen. That was just kind of, I've never seen a team kind of go in or a coach go in on, like you said, a, a max player, one of your franchise guys, just kind of talking about how you're not sure whether you can win a championship with him when you're a one seed at his age. Like I've just never seen that. So, I mean, it seems beyond repair to me if you run it back because you have to, because you couldn't find a trade partner. It just seems like it's asking for trouble. Mm-hmm. Maybe the, the asking price needs to be lower, which clearly you're not getting four first round picks for this man and pick swaps and another no. star player. You're just not, I mean, like that's, you're not getting that for him. And I think we all know that it's cute to ask for it, but you're not getting that. So, you know, it's on them at some point to ask for something reasonable when people know that he is a useful player, but useful in certain contexts and maybe not all contexts and certainly not on a team where you've struggled with your spacing. So um, like you guys said last week, Drummond and Simmons on the court together should never happen. Um, no, it should And uh, if we're in a situation where it's happening, uh, it's easy to see why you wouldn't have them as a one seed. I, I struggle a little bit with six, but like I said, I have them at four, so maybe it's not that crazy. So my four is the Miami Heat. And when I look at this team, I feel like there's an integration, preservation, push and pull that'll happen throughout the entire regular season where Jimmy Butler is uh, about to turn 32. He spent five and a quarter seasons of his career playing for Tom Thibodeau, then two more seasons with Eric Spolstra. Like that is a that is a grind on the body. Um He's also coming off just an atrocious playoff series against Milwaukee, and I feel like that's been overlooked for a few reasons, and some of them are understandable. Like, last year was weird. Uh, He was incredible in 2020. I I don't think anyone's doubting Jimmy Butler, but that's just something that we should point out. Um, And, you know, they add Kyle Lowry, 35. This is his first time on a new team since 2012. P.J. Tucker's 36. I feel like all these players need to conserve their bodies, but at the same time, they need to assimilate into this new system, this new culture, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it's why I think that Tyler Hero is super important. Uh, Max Struess is like going to be kind of an important rotation player throughout the regular season. Uh, is Are they going to get a lot out of Victor Oladipo? Are they going to get nothing out of Victor Oladipo? So that's what honestly just prevented me from putting them even higher because I just I love Miami. And then the one guy I want to shout out really quick, uh, Bam Adebayo has been basically impervious to the rigors of the regular season throughout his career. Besides the finals, there was a little bit of a spell last year where he was hurt. Still only 24 years old, just earned a gold medal as Team USA starting center. And Bam is... One of the only dudes in the NBA who I feel comfortable saying the sky is the limit without feeling corny. (laughs) So I just, I feel like if Bam makes a jump and becomes Miami's best player this season, like, I feel like that's possible. 
And if it happens, it would not be a bad thing. Another guy, by the way, you know, and I agree with you on all that, but another guy that had a pretty rough postseason and just, you mm-hmm. know, they were daring him to shoot. Milwaukee was daring him to shoot. And it was bam, bizarre. You know, yeah. Yeah. It was like, do it for the gram. I ain't going to do it, like sort of thing. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, he, he's got a really good opportunity to kind of rewrite that, you know, that, that story for himself. Um, I think Marky Morris is kind of interesting for them, too, mm, a guy that did not call. play. Yeah particularly well this this past season and i think you know if he does play well um could be an interesting piece for them um you're right i mean at tucker i think it was a coup getting tucker if for no other reason because it takes him away from milwaukee um and the lineups that milwaukee's able to use um but you're right i mean this is a team that has some older pieces now that if they play to their capability and most of them play to their capability you know you're talking about a team that could easily get to the Eastern Conference Finals and maybe upset their way into the finals, you know, if they're playing Brooklyn or what have you. Um, it's just a tough team, you know, a team that has a little bit of nastiness to it, that has enough shooting. I think Hero is a big key to that, a guy that people went from really hot to, like, really cold on in a short amount of time for a kid that's only, what, 21, 22 still um, and has a, a good defense around him. So I, I'm curious. I mean – um, they certainly were kind of the team that had the sexy offseason in the East. I think a lot of that being Lowry and Tucker, but you know, also got Marquise Morris, who, like I said, if, if he has a bounce back year, um, that's nothing to sneeze at. Like that team and kind of the roster that they have, considering they already have Bam, they already have Butler, um, they already have Hero. So I, I'm, I'm curious to see, and not to mention they brought back Duncan Robinson, you know, sure. on, yeah, on a, good call. A, a big, big contract uh, for a player that was undrafted, the biggest contract in NBA history for someone who was undrafted. So I, I don't know. That was a team that probably only needed to add a couple things and did it. And so it'll be really interesting to see now if they stay healthy, how good they are. I had them at three on my list um, okay. for this go round. So I've got two teams left at this point. All right, so I think that we can kind of speed through, honestly, these last two. Um, I have the Milwaukee Bucks at two, and, you know, they just won it all. They have Giannis. They're just really good. Um, I killed them for losing P.J. Tucker for luxury tax purposes when free agency started, but then they make the Grayson Allen trade, and that adds some salary, so I apologize <laughs> a little bit. Um they get Dante DiVincenzo back. Uh, Rodney Hood's on the team, you know. But fundamentally, they have Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. And they have, like, that champion. We just won the title. We have to defend our crown type of mentality. Yep. So I just yep. I, I don't see them falling off at all. So my only thing with them, they also got George Hill back um, mm, a couple call. days ago, I think. Um, I... I worry now, I'm with you, and I still think it's fair to critique the luxury tax thing. I mean, it, look, you might not feel like Tucker has that much left. He, he, you know, is someone that can go a couple games kind of without scoring, potentially, or, you know, without hitting many shots, stands there in the corner. Now he's a big part of what you do defensively, even if he racks up fouls, you know, at a, a ridiculous clip. He's being asked to guard the toughest guys a lot of times. Um, It'll be interesting to see them running lineups out there without him at the five. Um, being able to do that really was a luxury, I think. Like you said, they'll get DiVincenzo back. You've got Grayson Allen now. 
Bobby Portis, you know, had a dream season in, in every sense of the phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, and he obviously can play some five for you. You don't do that confident defensively. You know, you, you're not playing confidently when he's back there as your five. Certainly in like an NBA final setting when you could all instead play P.J. Tucker. So to me, that's the big question for them. It's not a regular season question, I don't think. I think that they can easily win 60 games with their group, particularly with the confidence that they should be playing with now, assuming that Giannis doesn't get hurt. Um, even if Giannis does get hurt for 10 games or so, they could still win 60 games. Um, but yeah, the playoffs and not having Tucker there. And again, the idea of the luxury tax, um, we watched them kind of do that a couple of years ago where they said, ah, you know, we can live without Brogdon. We're going to just kind of throw what we've got at, at Bledsoe. And you kind of just hate to see them, you know, I don't know. Look, you win a championship, you kind of get the benefit of the doubt for just a little bit. And like you said, they did go out and add some money right after. But if you were going to go add money after anyway, and yeah, I don't know. It also depends on whether Tucker just wanted to go live in Miami, which a dude with all those sneakers who's that flashy it wouldn't surprise me if he wanted that anyway. But um, but we'll see. I, I, I just kind of feel like that's one that – the Brogdon thing, we always said, I think most of us, this isn't something that will hurt them much in the regular season, but it's gonna you can't really grade it until they play in the playoffs and whether they miss him or not. And I think Tucker is kind of that same sort of feel for me right now. Right. I, I agree with all that. Um, Milwaukee will be fun this year. I hope they don't miss PJ too much. And it seemed like PJ thought he was going back and then didn't. So, But he gets to live in Miami. That's awesome. So have fun, PJ. And don't I feel too like... Too much sand in those shoes that cost <laughs> so much money. Sure. You can't be rocking sneakers on the beach, though. Come on. No. I really hope not, that. but I don't know how that. he rolls. He's got so many pairs of shoes he probably could afford to do it, but I hope he doesn't. That's true. That's true. Um, okay, so you and I have the same number one, the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, really, this is very self-explanatory. They have three awesome players. Kevin Durant is the best player in the world. Uh, they have a bench now that almost every team in the league would happily swap with their own. I, you know, I, I try to think of ways that this team like what the great flaws are in this team. And I just, besides them like getting hurt at key positions again, James Harden pulling his hamstring 40 seconds into a playoff series. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like this is like their title to lose and, and no one can really touch them. Honestly. I mean, look at it this way, Michael, they, none of their three guys played all that many games last year and they still finished one game out of first um which is like with the, crazy the greatest offense of all time <laughs> right with these guys hardly ever playing together so if they have any bit of good fortune from a injury standpoint or health standpoint they're going to develop more cohesion um they're gonna have more point guards to help them with that cohesion so that they don't have to do it by themselves if they don't want to. Um, you and I talked about it last week. The Patty Mills signing was massive. Mm-hmm. Like, massive enough to where if the Lakers had managed to get him instead, I would probably say, I'll take the Lakers to win the whole thing. Maybe. I'm not sure. I, I might say that. That's how and, – and I go from saying that to now saying, you know, maybe the Lakers are top four in the West, in my opinion. Like, that's how big a swing it is. I think that you could reasonably say that there are at least three or four teams you'd rather have out West 
because I, I have that question for the Lakers now. So Patty Mills is a massive pickup. And even if you didn't have him, I don't think Javon Carter was a bad pickup for them. I, I think that he was someone that it's almost shocking that Phoenix couldn't use him, but they didn't need to because they had Chris Paul and they had campaign. Right. Uh, Javon Carter for years has had one of the best assist to turnover ratio. So just a guy that's going to make the right play, smart play. DeAndre Bembry is a, is a nice pickup for them. I think just a guy that doesn't have to play every night. Um, the sort of guy that like, if for whatever reason, Bruce Brown is hurt, you've got somebody that can basically play his role now. So it's just a team that, that filled in a lot of its holes really nicely that I don't know how they convinced Blake Griffin to come back for what he did. I guess guys want to be there and want to play with that core. Um, I guess New York is not a bad place to live, but, um, Look, I mean, they had holes last year that I don't really feel like they've got anymore. And even if their guys are hurt, the way this team is set up now, if you've got two of those guys completely healthy, it would still be really hard to beat them. And even more so, I think, now with the reinforcements they brought in to really round out their bench some. So we did it, Chris. We power ranked the Eastern Conference. Do you feel good? Do you feel confident? No. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm still looking at this part that I've got bracketed that says no idea. I'm still looking at, you know, I, I can see, I, I, like I said, I, you could probably talk me into Atlanta at three. I don't have them that high, but, you know, you're making me rethink, do I have Philly too high at four? Do I have Atlanta too low at five? Um, you know, are the Celtics a team that is like sneaky if they make one addition or get Schroeder here? You know, should they be much, much higher in my conversation? Are the Bulls, if they're going to be a top 10 defense and have the makings of a top 10 offense, like, is it even realistic that we could put them at eight? Why shouldn't they be the one seed? So I'm not convinced of any of this damn stuff, um, but that's part of what will make it fun, hopefully. Yeah, so that that's going to be our show for today. This was a lot of fun. Um, everybody keep sending in those emails, openfloormail at gmail.com, openfloormail at gmail.com. Uh, Rohan and I will be back later this week doing the Western Conference, which should be a little easier, except it won't be <laughs> at all, um, <laughs> especially at the top. So that'll be fun, everybody. Tune in for that. But, you know, until we uh, until we record that episode, everybody stay safe. Everybody enjoy the offseason. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Getting ready to take on spring? 
Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.